The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today's guest is Amy Isiofano with Three Paws Up, an adorable company based in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Amy's company makes homemade dog treats that range from tilapia honey made from locally sourced tilapia and organic apples to pumpkin patch that is fresh-baked pumpkin treat filled with organic chicken with just a pinch of cinnamon. She's passionate not only about making wonderful dog treats, but is a big supporter and advocate of the Greenwich Animal Protection League, a 5013C not-for-profit organization whose members work tirelessly to protect the well-being of all animals and come to the aid of those in distress. You'll also, you will definitely love Amy's story. Now, normally, we start the news, start here in the segment with the news, but because we do have Amy, our special guest, we're going to finish up with the news and notes segment as part of section two and three of today's show. Once again, now joining us from Cumberland, Rhode Island, Amy Isiofano. Amy is the owner of Three Paws Up, and she bakes all-natural dog treats made with organic ingredients. Her treats are now sold at Quality Fruitland, Whole Foods Market in Providence, and Jamestown Mercantile. She just got great news about her treats coming to another store soon. Amy started baking, baking and her test tasters were Peanut, Princess, and Max, which gave three paws up and the sampling from her first batch. As I said before, she's active in animal rescue, believes in giving back, and absolutely loves to help animals find homes and provide quality treats that are healthy. Her website is www.3pawsup. The mission at Three Paws Up is to provide quality treats made with love, help dogs in need, and promote pet adoption. They use barley and oat flowers, organic meat and fruit, and shop locally. Dogs are not just pets, they are family. I agree with that, Amy. This is why we offer handmade treats baked with organic ingredients, dehydrated overnight, and packaged in eco-friendly packaging. They support animal-friendly causes and believe in giving back. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> so how's a girl from Cumberland, Rhode Island, come up with the idea to make her own dog treats and, frankly, better yet, make a career move to do it? Tell us, tell us how this even happened. 
Um, so I started baking for my mom's three dogs, and I brought a batch over to her, and they ended up loving it. So I started baking for my black lab and taste testing all different recipes with her, and she ended up loving it too. Now, is that something as far as at that particular point you were just – you know, winging the different flavors. I mean, had did you even, I mean, were you a baker like, uh, you know, as a kid? Um, you know, what made you kind of bake for the dogs? I always loved baking, and I always loved dogs. So um, I ended up going to a dog bakery one day and just seeing all the different treats and thinking, this is what I want to do. <laughs> That's awesome. And the fact that you did it and made a career out of this is amazing. Now, what were you doing before Three Paws Up? I was at Medical Assisted Recovery. It's an outpatient substance abuse program as an administrative assistant. And this, and again, so there was nothing, there was no tie other than being a dog lover, if you will, and going in a dog bakery that kind of took you into that world. And, and I mean, that's fantastic. Now, tell our listeners a little bit about your birthday gift from your younger brother, that sweet bundle of joy, that black lab you were just talking about. Yes, um, he surprised me with a black lab about five years ago. Um, he had her behind his back, and I could just see her little tail. And um, he surprised me for my birthday after a very hard time, and she was just always there for me, and um, she's definitely family to me. Now this was this was your first this was your first very own dog purebred black lab. Yes. Wow. And what's her name? Bella. Ella. Hello, Ella. Wherever Ella is. Now let's let's talk a little bit about um, how you came up with these flavors. I mean, some of these things, um, you know, I gotta believe they're human grade you know, products that you're making, um, you know, some of the combinations are, sound like they're, they're delicious, um, not just for dogs, but for, for humans, for crying out loud. So how did you come up with, um, you know, some of these flavors or did you always have these multiple flavors in mind? Well, I started reading a lot of books and researching a lot on what was healthy for dogs, um, things that would help them health-wise and um, basically what humans would eat. Um, and turn them into dog treats. Right. Now, and folks, just listen to these. These aren't, these aren't the, um, the treats that your grandparents gave their pets. Uh, just listen. Scoops of organic, freshly made peanut butter pureed with organic bananas, blended together with a wonderful combination of protein and potassium. Oat flour is a good source of protein, iron, copper, and other nutrients. The oil and fat in peanut butter can add luster to a dog's coats. Bananas are abundant in potassium, magnesium, and other vitamins. Each of our treats is hand-cut, slowly dehydrated overnight for delicious crunch. Amy, that's like something you and I would eat. Um, again, you you sort of knew that bananas, peanut butter, I mean, that kind of, you know, it's, it's again, that's sort of how you've learned this as you've gone on? Yes, I researched for over a year um, different ingredients that would be good for the dogs. And then um, I know my Black Lab's favorite was always peanut butter. So I, I combined those into two different treats, and she loves chicken. And I went off of a lot of the things that she eats as well. Unbelievable. Did you know um, as far as like... Like you said, you did some research, but let's talk about the the ingredients that are good for their coats or high in fiber. Is 
when once you knew that information, was that something you kind of built the 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 recipe around, if you will? Um, I know you did the research, but but goodness, I mean, how would you ever thought of of the tilapia um, as part of the part of that mix, if you will, just throwing that one flavor that you've got out there? Yes, um, because tilapia is high in omega threes, so um, my lab also has skin issues. She has dry skin a lot, so I, I like to add like um, oil to her food and then give her those treats. And then um, it's great for dogs with sensitivities to chicken as well. So, and let me ask you a question: Is it as a as a pet expert? Is it is it better to um, you know, you've got a couple of really cool treat names and treat flavor combination stuff, and we'll we'll get into that in a second. But is it do dogs care about um, you know changing up the the eating the same thing every day kind of thing? Because that's kind of our dog is um, you know it's I always wonder if the dog gets bored eating the same flavors every day. Is that is that I wish somebody could tell me what whether that's good or bad. Do we switch up the recipe, if you will? Yeah, I would. I I used to just add stuff to um, her food, like fruit on the top of her food dish and things like that. But as for treats, like I would go into stores and they all had preservatives. So um, that's kind of a big reason why I bake all natural. But um, I used to give her like a whole bunch of different things, like just on top of her food, um, because she loves eating in general. (laughs) Right. I think all dogs are are made from that same or cut from that same cloth. <laughs> you put anything out there, they're going to eat it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the um, you know appleberry bites or pumpkin pet. Pitch pick one or two of those. Let's talk with tilapia. You had mentioned a little bit about that. That that fish is really good in. Is it omega three? Is that what you said? Yes. So tell us more about um, you know how you kind of came up with that recipe, if you will. Um, I didn't want it to be strictly fish. I wanted it to have some other flavor. Um, so I added apple and applesauce, and the applesauce is just to bring out the apple flavor. And um, my dog really loves that one. So, Is it more of a, of a sweet treat? So do you usually, because it looks like uh, there's almost like this, this, this kind of flavor, or I'm going to say flavor, but you know, most of your treats kind of have a little bit of a, of a sweetness to them. They're not necessarily the, uh, I guess, a salty treat, if you will. You've got the honey and the apple berry and, of course, the pumpkin. But, but I mean, is there a, do dogs naturally have more of a sweet tooth, if you will? Um, no, I just I didn't want it to be um, too bland and um, right. I just I wanted like to add as much ingredient as I could, so it was more ingredient than flour, um, just for flavor. Like there, I've had a lot of picky dogs that love the treats, sure. and I think it's because I add more ingredient than I do flour and um, pack it with flavor. So, and as that was far important as to me. <laughs> are you are you pumping these? I mean, how because everything you're doing is all natural. Are how. Um, so when you bake these things, how 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 long do they stay fresh for? Anywhere to six months. Um, they really? have a shelf life for six months. They're dehydrated, so it takes all the moisture out of them. Oh. And um, they can be refrigerated after one to two months, especially the meat ones, um, to ensure a longer shelf life. 
And I saw it. I'm bouncing around on a few topics, but I saw that. Um, by the way, your website is awesome. By the way, I loved. I, I, I love the pictures of the dogs. I love how you've got it interactive. Um, do you do a lot of work? Um, do you have a retail store? Or is everything online? I mean, tell us how you're you're selling your products now. So right now, um, they're in three different stores. They're going to be in another store, um, and that is like a chain store that's going to put them into two or three. So it's wholesale and online right now. Good for you. I mean, that's not easy for uh, you know a, a new business to kind of knock on doors to get there. And props to you. That's not easy. Good for Thank you. you. Now tell us about Greenwich uh, Animal Protection League. That's something you're passionate about. Yes, they always have adoptable animals on their Facebook page and on their social media, and um, they just do so much work for these animals, and um, they don't get much help, so um, they always need, like, if you, food donations or things like that, and there's just a lot of animals that go through there, so I always like to just post the adoptable animals just to, um, to increase exposure so they can find a home. Quickly. And that's not just dogs. It's all different animals, right? Yes. Um, dogs, kittens, cats, puppies. And and is that something that people, I know eventually, I think you mentioned you're going to put a link on your website that allows people to donate directly um, to that organization. Is that is that still the plan? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> now, Amy, you know our show is a little bit about marketing and flexible retail packaging. So, what types of marketing tools and techniques? Let's let's look at what you're using to kind of get the word out. Um, a about your business. A about um, maybe new flavors or versions you're trying. I mean, how do you go about using marketing um, as kind of that that major tool to kind of build your business? Um, social media is huge, and then a lot of it is word of mouth. Like if somebody try if somebody's dog tries them, um, and they tell somebody about it, and then their dog tries them because a lot of it is um, the dog actually sampling them, and I also right. do demos at Whole Foods. And that's samples. a local foods Whole Foods where you're at in your particular region, if you will. In Providence, yeah, on Waterman Street. And from what I understand, Whole Foods is very, very. Um, friendly to the smaller businesses no i mean that's something that you know they they really help the small businesses kind of get started and grow yes 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 now when you say social media um and i know that's that's facebook for example but tell us what what else you're using because you're not just on facebook i think you're on linkedin i think you're on some other social media sites too tell us more about that Yes, um, I have a social media account, an Instagram account, and a Twitter account, and I'm active on all three of those. And then I also have a LinkedIn. And as far as, um, and that's something you you got to, you know, social media is not something you, you just try once and, and put away. I mean, this is something that kind of part becomes part of your DNA, right? You're yes, constantly yes. monitoring and, and, and adjusting and updating and all that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Has anything worked better for you um, as a small business owner um, from the marketing side of things over something else? I mean, Instagram has is, is become really, really hot. How about um, things like Pinterest and some of the others? Anything in that world? Yes, I have a Pinterest, too. I haven't been on that one as much. Um, I think Instagram is my favorite one because it's all pictures and there's so many people on there. And right. everybody's just so nice on there. So I think Instagram's my favorite. <laughs> 
Good for well, I, exactly. And the th- the nice thing about uh, social media is, you know, next week it may be different. Yeah, um, yep. You know, Instagram may be hot uh, now, and next week it all of a sudden may be some new thing with Facebook. So it's and that's the thing that um, we all have to be able to adjust and and, um, and 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 turn on the dime, if you will. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yep. So tell us anything new. I know you'd mentioned you're being picked up by this new store coming on a pipe. Is there anything else new that you want us to let the let our let our listeners know about um, what's going on in Three Paws Up and and stuff you've got planned, maybe? Just, um, I know they're going to be in Dave's Market soon in three different stores, but I'm not sure which stores yet, so I won't be able to say. <laughs> right, not yet, not yet. No, and hopefully um, more stores. And how can we help spread the word? I mean, is there something we can do in our little world just to kind of let everyone know, um, you know, about Three Paws Up? I mean, you've you've you're 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 a new business, you're a small business that's growing. Um, you got a lot of cool recipes. I mean, if there's anything we can do in our little world, let us know, would you? Because I'd like to step, I'd like to have you come back um, and kind of give us an update, if you will, about what's new and what you're doing, and um, you know, any new flavors. Because uh, frankly, they're 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 amazing, and we're really really proud of you too, Amy. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. Well, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Um, Amy, I'd like to thank you for your time, and then we're going to um, step back and finish the, the segments up with our news and notes of the week. So stick around. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Maranak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box, everybody. It's time for our second segment and the news and notes of the week. Some of the brands you'll hear about, Walmart, Albertsons, and Nestle's. And special thanks for our news from Supermarket News and Reuters. 99 cents only stores announced on Monday that former Walmart grocery EVP or executive vice president Jack Sinclair has been appointed its chief merchandising officer effective immediately. Sinclair will be responsible for merchandising and marketing functions for 99 cents only. Sinclair has more than 30 years experience in the grocery retail in North America and Europe. He most recently served for more than seven years as executive vice president of grocery for Walmart U.S., generating substantial growth through a focus on local assortment and fresh foods. Sinclair previously spent 14 years at UK-based Safeway PLC supermarkets, where he served in a variety of roles, eventually becoming group marketing and trading director, in which he ran all the store operations and merchandising for the UK's third largest grocer. Based in the City of Commerce, California, 99 cents only operates 384 stores in four western states. A&P announces a sale of 120 stores on the heels of its Chapter 11. Within hours of filing a voluntary petition for Chapter 11 protection late Sunday, A&P said it has executed asset purchase agreements for approximately 120 stores at the price of approximately $600 million. The company did not name any of its buyers. However, Netherlands-based A-Hold and said Monday it has entered into an agreement to acquire 25 A&P, Pathmark, and Woldbrum stores in the greater North York, New York area for $146 million that it plans to convert to the Stop and Shop banner, a transaction expected to close by the end of 2015. However, with the Chapter 11 filing, A-Hold said the potential exists for an auction under which other bids could be received and accepted for 25, for these 25 stores. A-Hold's Stop and Shop division operates 395 stores in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. In a formal statement, Paul Hertz, president and CEO of Montvale, New Jersey-based AMP, said, after consider- con- careful consideration of all alternatives, we have concluded that the sale process implemented through Chapter 11 is the best way for AMP to preserve as many jobs as possible and maximize value for all stakeholders. The interest from other strategic operations has been robust during the company's sale process to date, and we have every expectation this will continue in Chapter 11. It is AMP's second Chapter 11 filing in five years. In other developments, AMP said it's decided, decided to close 25 stores in the near term due to lack of interest and significant ongoing store operating losses. It did not identify these stores or identify locations of these stores. While the decision to close some stores is always difficult, these actions will enable the company to refocus its efforts to ensure the vast majority of AMP stores continue operating under new owners as a result of the court-supervised process. McDonald's isn't just losing business to restaurants. This post is part of our new news, newspaper report, Notebook Blog. One of the biggest competitors to McDonald's isn't necessarily a restaurant chain. It's Kroger. 
In a recent survey, the Chicago-based consulting firm Technic polled customers of preferred food offerings or retail meal solutions at the Cincinnati-based grocery store giant. The survey asked those customers where they'd go if they didn't get a bucket of chicken or a salad from the grocer. One out of four opted for Kroger instead of a restaurant, and the restaurant they'd have eaten at otherwise was McDonald's, and it's not particularly close. Of those who would go to a restaurant, 23% would go to McDonald's, 11% said they'd go to Wendy's, followed by Applebee's at 7%, Burger King at 6%, and KFC at 5%. That's not surprising. Grocery stores have improved their prepared food offerings in recent years, selling more fried chicken and deli sandwiches and salad bars and hot bars. That's luring more traffic away from restaurants. And QSRs tend to be the biggest donor of share to those offerings. Only one out of top one of the top five chains in the Kroger survey is a casual dining concept. For instance, McDonald's is the world's largest, world's biggest restaurant and its biggest QSR would thus stand to lose the largest number of customers to grocery store delis. A technomic survey of retail meal options customers at 22 different retail chains also found McDonald's the most likely alternative. 16% said they'd go to McDonald's, by far the most of any concept mentioned. Subway at 9% was next, followed by Wendy's, Burger King, and then Applebee's. Six of the 12 most mentioned concepts were QSRs. Quick service restaurants are convenience-oriented concepts, often destinations for people in a hurry or those performing another task, like grocery shopping. Prepared food at grocery stores is appealing to customers looking for a convenient meal, so the two would seem to be a natural, would be natural competitors. Casual dining concepts aren't immune, to be sure. Applebee's, Chili's, and Olive Garden were all mentioned in last year's study, for instance. But the results of the survey show the breadth of McDonald's competitive set. Its customers are coming from everywhere. Two-thirds use their senses rather than use-by dates. Over two-thirds of Brits use their senses of smell, sight, and taste rather than best rather than the best before use date, so it should be scrapped to be cut down on food waste. The same survey involving 1,500 UK customers found that 50% of Brits agreed it was safe to eat food past its best before date, while over a quarter, or 28%, said they would eat food after the use-by date. The findings come as the EU Health and Food Safety Commissioner singled out the best before dates as a factor that was fueling food waste in the EU. We all have to take responsible actions and take care of food. Respect people who produce food by not throwing away, not buying huge quantities and leaving them to rot in the fridge, he told participants. And also, we have to use common sense. For example, when you see a best before date on the bottle of water, that does not mean you need to throw it away next day. We have to explain more what the dates actually mean. The EC prepares the strategy towards a circular, resource-efficient economy due later this year. European Parliament think tank recently wrote a favor, a favor of scrapping the best before date for certain foods. The best before date, that is the recommended last consumption date, is often confused with the use-by date intended for foods that are highly perishable, such as fresh meat or dairy products. Scrapping best before labeling for certain products like coffee, pasta, and rice would help prevent food waste, which accounts for 90 to 100 million tons of food annually in Europe alone. And this figure is expected to grow. 
The proposed labeling change could therefore be a solution not only to help end the confusion among consumers, but also to reduce food waste. A spokesman for First Fair, a British NGO which distributes food that has passed its best before date, told Food Navigator it supported such moves. Nestle is putting a fresh spin on Frozen. The performance of the Lean Cuisine brand has been a problem for Nestle USA in recent years. Product lines focused on weight management have fallen out of favor with consumers, who today associate healthy eating with such attributes as high-protein, organic, organic, and gluten-free. Shoppers seek, seeking what they perceive as fresher fare may be venturing into the frozen section less. As a result, sales for the brand and several other Nestle's frozen food portfolio have slumped. But the company is determined to refresh the business which includes Hot Pockets, Stouffer's, and DiGiorno brands. Nestle's recent $50 million investment in a new research and development center underscores the company's confidence in the future of Frozen. We still believe the Frozen category in general is still very rich and fertile. Lots of potential to grow in, said Jeff Hamilton, president of Nestle's Prepared Food Division, in an exclusive interview with Food Business News on the July 22nd grand opening of the company's new Solon, Ohio R&D Center, dedicated to frozen and chilled foods. If you think about where consumers are today, they're looking for real, natural food, and that can still be very consistent with what the frozen food is. Frozen is the most natural way of preserving food. Recently, Nestle's pledged to remove artificial flavors from frozen pizzas and Hot Pockets products by the end of the year. The company also unveiled a Lean Cuisine reboot, shifting the brand's focus from diet to more chef-inspired ethnic dishes that offer a variety of attributes and bold yet simple packaging that stands out on the aisles. So far, Mr. Hamilton said the restaged Lean Cuisine products are off to a good start, but other recent innovations from the brand haven't been as successful. The company launched, launched of Lean Cuisine Salad Editions wilted within two years. Their products included microwave steamed pouches of grilled chicken, vegetables, and dressing that consumers added to lettuce to make a salad. Salad editions did not work, and one of the reasons did not work is because frozen is a convenience category, and we were asking the consumer to do way too much work of that concept. We learned a lot from that experience. In theory, it makes perfect sense, but that did not last. During the interview, Mr. Hamilton discussed Nestle's strategy to repair its flagging grocery frozen grocery brands. Starbucks and PepsiCo to bring RTD coffee bridges to Latin America. Starbucks and PepsiCo are joining forces in the marketing sale and distribution of Starbucks ready-to-drink RTD coffee and energy beverages in Latin America. Products to be distributed include Starbucks Frappuccino chilled coffee drink, Starbucks Double Shot Espresso of Cream, and Starbucks Refreshers beverages in Latin America. The partnership will look to capitalize on what has been a booming ready-to-drink coffee and energy beverage category in Latin America. According to Euromonitor, the category exceeds $4 billion, $4 billion in sales and is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Under terms of the agreement, Starbucks will provide coffee expertise and PepsiCo will sell and distribute Starbucks ready-to-drink coffee and energy beverages, leveraging an expansive network and experience across the region. Together, both companies will continue to market, innovate, and further develop the brand in Latin America. The partnership initially will serve select markets in the Caribbean, Chile, 
Colombia, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Mexico, Panama, Peru, and Puerto Rico. But over time, the company's plan to expand distribution of Starbucks ready-to-drink or RTG, RTG, RTD coffee beverages to other markets in North America or in Latin America. Our expansion throughout Latin America in 2016 enables us to deliver high-quality Starbucks coffee in a convenient ready-to-drink format that our customers where they live, work, and play, said Michael Conway, president of Global Channel Development at Starbucks. PepsiCo's sales expertise and distribution networks make them the ideal company to work to unlock the Latin America ready-to-drink market and accelerate local demand for Starbucks. Laxman Narisman, chief executive officer of PepsiCo Latin America, said the company's North American Coffee Partnership has been one of the most successful joint ventures in the beverage industry. With this new agreement, we bring more than 20 years of partnership success to the region where coffee is part of the culture. Together, our highly talented and passionate teams will expand upon the vision set decades ago to create a new blueprint for continued growth in Latin America. Starbucks' relationship with PepsiCo Mexico dates back to more than 20 years when the two companies formed the North American Coffee Partnership, a joint venture that built the RTD coffee category in the United States. The NACP now has approximately 97% market share, 97% in the RTD coffee, and has grown to more than $1.5 billion in sales, according to Chicago-based information resources. Chobani is to offer more variety with new products. To offer more variety, Chobani is debuting new products under the Chobani Simply 100, Chobani Flip, and limited batch brands. The company has also changed its packaging to bring attention to its product's core attributes, such as only natural, non-GMO ingredients for its traditional line and 75% less sugar than regular fruit yogurt, fruit yogurt category for Chobani Simply 100. Chobani Simply 100 Greek yogurt range has seen a 25% growth in dollar sales so far this year. And the brand is in the midst of a refreshing of a refresh that aims to make more appealing the thoughtful weight managers, its target customer. Target Chobani Marketing Chief Brand Officer Peter McGinnis said, the relaunch will see Simply 100 products switch from fruit-on-the-bottom formula to a blended fruit one and features new packaging that highlights the lines all-natural and GMO and non-GMO ingredients. Pure Via reformulates to re- remove GMOs. Whole Earth Sweetener has reformulated the zero-calorie sweetener Pure Via to remove any GMO ingredients. The product now uses dextrose from cassava root instead of corn, and the packaging will reflect the move with a non-GMO label. Consumers are increasingly looking for non-GMO products and want to be educated about the food they consume. We want to meet their expectations, said Cheryl Gill, director of North American Marketing. Hershey's and Planetair form a partnership to share data. Data company Planetair and Hershey's are creating the CPG Consortium, a group or group that would enable them to exchange data. That move is a way to share information on consumer purchasing trends so they can tailor their business strategies. Oscar Mayer on July 23rd, National Hot Dog Day, Oscar Mayer's Wiener Rover began its cross-country journey from New York City, delivering the hot dogs to consumers at parks, festivals, and other sites. Fans can follow the remote-controlled, battery-powered vehicle using the company's Twitter and Instagram accounts. It's time to start sharing data, said Hershey's CEO. Hershey's is teaming up with Planetary Technologies, as I mentioned before, to bring big data to bear on food production and distribution strategies. Hershey's approach is unusual, however, in that it wants to share data across the packaged goods sector. 
Your competitive advantage is being able to work with the information, not hold on to it, says Hershey CEO J.B. Bilbrey. Hershey's company runs the most ads of any candy company, followed by Mars, according to ECRM data. Among the candy brands, the Hershey brands had the most ads, followed by M&M's. And finally, Hershey celebrates its sweet legacy. Hershey PA held a party Saturday sponsored by MS Hershey Foundation to celebrate what would have been Milton Hershey's 151st birthday. Hershey, who died in 1945, created the chocolate company in town that bears his name and left his fortune to an orphanage he founded. Folks, it's time for a short break. We're going to step back, hang up. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back to Ditch the Box, everyone. It's David Marinak, your host. We're going to finish up this third segment with another section from the new book that I just released, Stand Up and Stand Out and Watch Your Product Fly Off the Store Shelves. 
We're now starting here with, we were talking earlier about the small players, the difference between our customers being small mom and pops and also mid-market or larger firms. We're talking about or answering some questions that the smaller players would have about getting into this world of flexible retail packaging. One of the questions we're asked often is, what material should I use for my particular product? When considering which material you use for your printed center pouches, step one is asking questions so you clearly understand what you're packaging, so we clearly understand it. Step two explores the type structure needed based upon your criteria for the particular printed center pouch or stand-up bag. This involves how much weight will be put in the pouch, the conditions the stand-up pouch will be subjected to, the ultimate use for the stand-up bag, or even who the end user will be. The information now sheds light on the advantages and disadvantages of the different film barrier film structures available. Note, your criteria determines the thickness of your pouch. Your criteria plus the thickness plus the quantity needed will determine the price of your pouch. Now, clear structures and metalized film structures. These are usually close in price when everything else is equal, depending on your criteria. Both can be made with excellent barrier property, strength, and durability. Aluminum foil structures tend to be more expensive than clear and metalized, as they generally have superior barrier properties over clear and metalized. Remember, aluminum foil is just one layer of the overall structure. It all depends on your criteria. Boilable structures, these, these can be made, excuse me, boilable structures, these can be made from clear film, metalized film, and foil structures. As mentioned, clear and metalized films tend to be close in price, on the price point, whereas aluminum foil tends to be more expensive. Again, it depends on your criteria. Microwavable structures, these are made from clear films that are laminated to provide barrier properties to the strength to provide to withstand microwavable heating elements. Anything metalized wouldn't work in a microwave. The price points for microwave clear film are in line with other clear films and are based on your criteria. Now, we've talked about your criteria a little bit, but we're going to go into that in a little more detail. So when we talk about your criteria, such as, what are you packaging? Is it a powder? Is it a paste? Is it a liquid? Is it sharp? Is it heavy, oily, greasy, etc.? Do you want to be able to see your product or have a clear window on your pouch? How much weight are you packaging in the pouch? Is it 150 grams? Is it one pound? Is it five pounds? These are things we need to know. What style of pouch do you want? Will it be a stand-up pouch that will need to stand on a store shelf? Will it be a flat pouch that hangs in a display or a gusseted pouch or a tampered evident pouch that loads from the bottom? What features do you want on, the, on your pouch? A ziplock, a tear notch, a hang hole, a pour spout? What kind of conditions will the pouch be subjected to? Will it be in a chemical factory and thrown off a pallet? Will it be used by a consumer who will open it and place it in the back of his or her pantry? Will it be used in a dirty, greasy, grimy industrial plant? Or will it be used in a clean room electronic facility? Again, things we need to know about. And finally, what price point do you have in mind or do you need? Do you want the cheapest possible price so your packaging keeps your food fresh for 30 days? Or do you want something that will keep your product fresh for 12 months? Plus, can it withstand high temperatures or 15-foot fall or whatever? Again, these are things we need to know. Now, concerning cost, all of these factors noted play a role in the film structure and ultimately the thickness of the film used. So is it clear film the cheapest? Not necessarily. The thickness of the film is determined by how much material it will require and use. This plays the largest role in determining the price. 
followed closely by the actual materials like aluminum foil, polyester, metallized, clear film, etc. used in the different layers. The advantage and disadvantages of three commonly used structures are noted right here. Now, clear structures, consider these advantages. You can see through them and print on them through a clear window. Excellent barrier properties are available on clear structures. Strong, puncture-resistant film structures are definitely available with clear. There are many choices based upon the use and needs of the client. Now, clear is definitely cost-effective. It's not always the cheapest depending on the overall thickness and the other layers chosen. Clear is always fairly cost-effective. So here's some disadvantages. You can see through it. Yes, I just said that before as an advantage. Some clients choose a clear structure based on what they're packaging, their cost structure, the style of pouch, etc. If the product to be packaged is sensitive to light, we'll require to underprint the pouch with a solid color to make it opaque and prevent light from affecting the product inside. If you're printing this pouch and are printing everything except a clear window area, consider underprinting the rest of the pouch except the clear window area. This may add a minimal amount to the price of the to the per piece to the per piece price. However, if this isn't done, the printing will look translucent, drab, dull, and boring. Now, metallized film structures is not necessarily aluminum. Many people see metallized and they think that's foil. Rather, it's usually made from polyester and is only one layer in the overall structure. When people see metallized, it's that shiny film, and that's generally known as metallized film or even mylar. Now, consider these advantages. Metallized is opaque, which doesn't allow light to shine through. Because of this opacity, the printing naturally pops, and it doesn't need an underprinting, so, the, so again, the film is naturally opaque. Excellent barrier properties are available with metallized. It's very cost-effective. It's very strong, puncture-resistant as well. Now, lots of combinations available depending on your criteria with metallized film. And the disadvantages, it's opaque. You can't see through it. So if you need to see something through it, it's very difficult, obviously, to demetalize metalized film. Now, aluminum foil structures, consider these advantages. It's opaque. Doesn't allow light to come through. Because this opacity, the printing naturally pops. Very similar to metalized. Strong, puncture-resistant structures are definitely available. And it tends to be more expensive than other structures. And it doesn't flex. Now, think about this for a second. Aluminum foil doesn't flex, meaning once the foil is folded, the crease or lines stay there and can affect the look and over time can affect the barrier properties of the film itself. Some of this information pertains to the overall cost, some to the print capabilities, some to the strength and durability required. This information can help you tremendously as you start this journey. As always, trust your packaging professional to assist you as you navigate those roads ahead. Counting on your packaging professional will save you time money, and aggravation. Now, here's some questions that regarding to the mid-market or the larger firms. Totally different set of questions. Mid-market companies have a complete different mindset and approach when it comes to printed stand-up pouches or any other type of printed flexible barrier packaging, for that matter. People in small companies are interested in the basics, such as how do you create your artwork, or how, how to match colors, or how to build your brand, or to find the right size pouch. However, the larger and mid-market firms generally know what they need. They have graphic designers, and they know what colors and materials work for their particular products. They are concerned directly with growth, with speed, the best service, and price for what they're ordering. To be clear, it's not that speed and price aren't important to small companies. They certainly are. 
but they deal with smaller quantities that mid-market companies do. So the overall dollar cost isn't nearly as drastic as when you're dealing with the mid-market companies. So the 10 questions for mid-market companies we've answered here in the book. Can you keep up with my demand and production needs? What makes StandUpPouches.net different than any other supplier? If I'm happy with my current supplier, why should I choose your company? How fast can you run my custom-printed stand-up pouches? Do you have hot rush options in case I'm in a jam and need product ASAP? How do you ship my printed stand-up pouches? What additional quality steps do you take? Can I make changes to my artwork? I cannot afford to run out of packaging. What options do you have for supply chain? And can I use the same material that works best on my existing equipment? Now, the first question here is, can you keep up with demand and production? Smaller companies are extremely concerned with such things as finding the right material to use, how to create the artwork, or determine the correct size. But mid-market companies are completely different. They're all about quantity, quality, price, and speed. They know how to create their own artwork and what material works best on their equipment. They want to know if, we're not only, we're, if we not only can make what they want and need, but if we can scale and ramp up with them quickly. If they get that sudden order from Whole Foods and Target, can we keep up? The answer to this question is a resounding yes. We are one of the few companies that can run small volume and trial orders to help mid-market companies try new flavors or versions. We can also ramp up to run hundreds of thousands, even millions of bags at one time on the very same equipment without any difference in quality. If a client needs something run domestically within three to four weeks, we can do that. If a client wants a lower cost and can wait longer, we can run at our overseas factory and deliver within 7 to 10 weeks. Either way, the print quality and packaging quality will match seamlessly. Even further, we can create a supply chain program for our clients. That means we can always have inventory on on hand for them 24-7 so they never run out. Or we can release inventory based upon their projections. We would then run more product at our factory as needed and agreed upon and replenish the inventory. We understand that our clients' companies work their tails off to get the deals with major retailers. The last thing they can afford to do is run out of packaging. Our programs assure them we can keep up. But more than that, we can become a critical piece of their company's success. So what makes stand-up pouches different? Several things. One is scale. We can scale and run your packaging as fast as your business runs. Do you need a trial trial run in three to four weeks, then need to ramp up to 100,000 bags a few weeks later? We can do that. Do you suddenly get an order from a major retailer and need a million bags urgently? Yep, we can deliver that too. From 7,500 pieces to 750,000 pieces and more, we've got you covered, all without compromising quality. Our factories are ISO and and QS 14,000 certified. Excuse me, we use FDA and food grade films, non leaching water based inks, and films that are landfill friendly and sensitive to the environment. We have successfully worked with some of the largest brands in the world, not only in the United States, but in the world, and we can help your company. We have more than eight different printing machines, including Flexographic and RotoViewer printing processes. With them, we do more than make printed flexible packaging. We control the manufacturing process. Let me say that again. We control the manufacturing process. If you need something put on a line, a rotoviewer printing machine on a fast track and turn around quickly, we can do that. As mentioned earlier, we have the unique ability to run small, sta- small trial orders to help our clients prove if a flavor or version even works. We can then run 10 or 100 times that quantity to meet a trade show or a new retailer deadline. 
having the right quantity on hand can be the difference between getting an order or going out of business. Now, I'm happy with my current supplier. The question is, why should I choose your company? There are several different aspects to consider in response to this question. First, whether you're packaging a food product or a pet treat or a liquid soap, you constantly get squeezed for margins. Globally, food prices or ingredients continue to climb. Critical components are going up in price. Retailers are wielding more pressure on their suppliers for slotting fees and lower prices. Where can lower costs come from? Packaging. Our unique business model allows us to reduce packaging costs while increasing efficiency and supply chain effectiveness. We offer versatility with our pouches being made either domestically or at our overseas factory. We will inventory and deliver packaging as needed to our Ohio warehouse, whether the packaging is produced in the United States or overseas. As a result, you'll save money and increase efficiency at the same time. Domestic versus and plus the overseas factory. Our domestic factory can make custom printed dinner pouches and other styles of flexible barrier bags within four weeks, out the door and in your hands. If a client needs a quick turnaround, we'll do a run at our U.S. factory, then implement a supply chain solution by running a large quantity at our overseas plant. It is identical structures and printing, but drastically lower prices. We hold this inventory here in Ohio warehouse and release it as needed. A company supply chain only works if you have material on hand. You simply cannot afford to run out of product. That's where we shine. We'll hold your product in our warehouse, release it when you need it, and as often as you need it, and then replenish our stock as agreed upon, and you need it to keep our inventory levels up. While this seems simple, 85% of what kills orders, and ultimately relationships with major retailers, is not having product when they want it. Let's face it, machines break down. Employees go on strike, and companies can get busy, pushing your order to the back of the line. Wouldn't it be comforting to have another supplier who wants your business? Even better, would it be if the company controlled the manufacturing in multiple factories? That way, if you need something in a hurry, you've got options. Problems happen, folks. Your supplier gets comfortable with your orders, and maybe you don't get the service and attention you deserve. Perhaps something goes wrong with your order, or your current vendor doesn't seem to care. With another supplier backing you up, you now have options. Would you appreciate a company that can run small trial orders, customized and printed for your application? That way you can run a small batch to ensure everything works properly on your equipment with your contract manufacturer or co-packer. This service makes you feel comfortable about placing large orders down the road while minimizing your risk. One final question here for the day is, do you have hot rush options? I'm in a jam and need product ASAP. Yes. Both our factories, domestic and overseas, have hot rush capability. The key is knowing how many you need and when you need them. Often a client only wants a handful for a trade show or a client meeting. In that case, we can run a small amount by digital printing press in a matter of days. These pouches are printed digitally and look as if they were made from a production line. However, once the film has been printed, the pouches will be formed and sealed by hand. They'll be fully functional, but as strong and robust as if they are made from a production machine. If a client needs more than a handful, we analyze hot rush lead times from both our domestic and overseas plant and provide both options. These will be production run without any restrictions as experienced with digital printing. And folks, I just wanted to kind of touch things up as we wrap things up for today. Our audience now has reached the global stage. Audience for our show has 20 different regions, including India, China, Hong Kong, Russia, 
Canada and many states throughout the United States. Thank you to all of our listeners. And as I mentioned real quick, the top three shows last month were The Power of Packaging with Owen Blevins from Focus Inbound and Professor Yong Wang from OU, Ohio University. Second was What You Need to Know About Sealing Flexible Packaging with Stephanie Wang from Sealer Sales. And the third most popular show was our, was our premiere show, which was just me. Many thanks to our producer, Jamie Berling. Many, many thanks to our executive producer, Winston Winnie Price, back in Ground Zero at Voice America. Folks, this is it for today's show. David Marinak signing off. Remember, it's your product. Package it properly, would you? Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 